Christopher Pike, commander of the Space Vehicle Enterprise from his telegroup at the other end of this galaxy. Maybe that's the good in, in seeing my future, that I might remind you that right up until the very end, life is to be worn gloriously. To the measure of a fan, a Star Trek podcast in which three nerds watch all of Star Trek in chronological order, one of them enduring it all for the very first time. My name is PJ Montgomery, and I am joined as ever by Matt Troy. Hello. And our resident Trek first timer, Elliot Red. Hello, everybody. And we have a guest with us this week. He has joined us before, and Elliot was very mean to him. So, by way of apology, I've let him join for one of his very favourite episodes of Star Trek. <laughs> it's a big welcome back to Andy Clift. Hey, guys. How's it going? How are you doing, Andy? I'm okay. I'm okay. I've got my tea. Uh, oh, great. Hot? Oh, hot. hot. <laughs> you know? I've got my tea, Yorkshire, with milk. Ah. Yeah. And I've got water because I'm a Vulcan piss baby. <laughs> you would be. I feel like PJ. You would be the Vulcan among us. There was one. Is that an insult or take it as whatever you want? I'm drinking wine. <laughs> I think. I think. It, I think it all depends on which era Vulcan you're going to kind of be referring to. Oh yeah. Uh, I will be. No, I'll be a dull as fuck Vulcan. Let's all face it. I'm just <laughs> bed by nine and drinking water and i'm going to order a pizza later that's exciting pizza what is on a vulcan pizza celery probably <laughs> probably celery yeah. and and logic celery and logic i feel they'd still have the cheese and tomato i think they'd go there pretty standard probably only have one of those yeah i think cheese and tomato would be the equivalent of pineapple on pizza it would be the absolute splitting thing that they can't yeah, agree yeah. on <laughs> you're absolutely right you're absolutely right that's actually why the Romulans yeah. split off from the Vulcans in the distant past <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like a spicy chicken pizza could probably induce Ponfar as well that was that was that was like like main parable that kind of got left out like you know we're gonna have we're gonna just have like pizza like like regular pizza and those other emotional welcomes were like screw that we're going to romulus like they went. i'm gonna romulus and i'm gonna open a pizza hut <laughs> and they did and there was that pizza hut advert with klingons in it in the 90s that i remember yeah where they did the whole advert in klingon with subtitles oh my god how how effective was that the nineties was a wild time. I, 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 I might remember some of that. I'm not gonna say it. But I do remember that the Vulcan for hit the hut is Trick de Bleak. Sorry, the Klingon. Is it? Trick that, was, de bleak. that was it. Yeah, that was it. Skid tricks your von flunk. Edgy tech bratic slugs. Rash socks socks off. Oh, 
Crabratic slugs. Did that really bolster Pizza Hut sales in the 90s? Is that... I don't know. <laughs> it was a different time. I mean, probably not the 90s because like, they obviously did Phantom Menace at the end of it, which is probably what really pushed it around. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, this week is a very exciting week for the podcast because we are looking at, oh, this is great, The Cage. The very first episode of Star Trek that they ever shot. It was shot in 1964 in December. So happy Christmas, Star Trek. Yeah, like this this episode was still fresh, fresh with the blood of John F. Kennedy, practically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was written by Gene Roddenberry. So there's that. <laughs> and boy, there are points where that's obvious. It was Directed by Robert Butler, and it first first aired on the 4th of October 1988, because, Mm -hmm. just for Elliot, they didn't air it in the 60s. Bit of history for you. They made this pilot. No, they didn't. They made this pilot, and the network went, it's a bit too cerebral. Where's all the punching? Yeah, we want punching and breasts, please. So That explains a lot. uh, But they did something that I don't think has ever been done for any other TV show in the history of TV and they went Gene you can have another crack at the pilot and they he got they to did, do a second yeah. pilot which that is where Kirk feel... comes in and they do Star Trek mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, feels incredibly yeah. rare how often yeah. does that happen yeah. that someone has I don't a think failed pilot it happened. and they still get to make I don't it think, yeah but it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I mean, it aired in nineteen eighty eight finally, and it's because of the writer's strike. Yes. They had a writer's strike in nineteen eighty eight, um, and there was no Star Trek because Star, uh, TNG season two got stalled because of the writer's strike. And they were like, "We need something," and they were like, "Oh, do you remember that that really weird pilot that we did? That they did? Yeah, let's let's do that. Let's make a big deal out of that." And they aired it, and that was to fill the gap. Crazy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, only taken us 98 episodes to get to what I can imagine most all-inclusive Star Trek podcasts will start within their first episode. Yeah, but we're mavericks. We're different. We're time travellers. Oh, it feels like. We travel through time in the right order. But (laughs) you don't even get a teaser. It's just straight into that classic Star Trek theme tune, which everyone knows and loves. Which, since since we're discussing a brand new theme tune now, because I I don't mean short treks like has an introduction, but it's like barely a it's it, yeah, it, yeah, it counts yeah. as a theme tune, but it's like a twenty second motif. It's so an abridged version of the Discovery theme tune, is what you'll right. find. Yeah. Okay. okay, yeah, that's cool. But yeah, as this is a new theme tune, and I've 
obviously heard the Star Trek theme tune before. I've heard, I mean, I've listened to our podcast and PJ's played the Nichelle Nichols version of that song at the end of one of our podcasts. Um, so I've, I've heard the song before. Listening to listening to it with the show, I'd never noticed how kind of Danny Elfman the backing of the track is, the kind of like Yeah. I never really, thought about that. Yeah. It, everything else about that theme feels perfect in terms of like the melody is all sci-fi and mysterious and and then all of a sudden it's got this Beetlejuice backing behind it. It's <laughs> so silly to me, which I guess kind of fits in with what Star Trek in the 60s was as well. It was this ridiculous thing. But yeah, it was just really fun to listen to and listen to a new theme that wasn't something I want to skip past every single time. Yeah, yeah. From an era when like the theremin truly was an instrument of the future, I feel like <laughs> yeah, yeah. like listening to that, like the studio execs would probably be like, ah, screaming and grabbing their heads, going, like, it's the future. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you just get the Enterprise flying about, doing doing its thing, and it, the only person it stars is Jeffrey Hunter. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yeah, and then of course we get the whole you know Jeffrey starring Jeffrey Hunter, guest starring Susan Oliver, oh, yeah. like, like literally the only two people that get kind of credited at the beginning. But like, I think there's just something wonderful about it. Like, I just like I love this episode so much. For me, like it's just been one of these things that I've just loved ever since I saw it as a kid, um, because it just sort of gave us this really weird window into a period of Star Trek that just like, what was that all about? You know what I mean? Like, so the Enterprise had adventures before Kirk. What? And then like, yeah, because it's, it's set like it's meant to be set, you know, canonically like eleven years before mm. the original, you know, the, the you know, Kirk and all that. And, you know, for years, it was just like this kind of really weird snapshot of a period of Star Trek that we had no idea about. You know, who was this Pike guy? Who was number one? Who were all these random weird people on the bridge of the Enterprise that just you never saw again? I mean, well, obviously you do now, but at this <laughs> point, for many years, it was just like completely bizarre and i absolutely loved it like i just loved that whole mystery is it that the cage like is is the longest period between pilot and pickup to the cage to strange new worlds in history because they did the pilot and then like 50 yeah. years later it goes to series with pike and them yeah they made, a, they made a big deal out of that um anson mount who you know plays pike in in, in strange new world and, and discovery he kept saying that during the press junket for season one that this was the biggest, the longest, you know, <laughs> yeah. pilot season pickup ever, and it's like it is, but is it? Uh, <laughs> but I think, but for me, I mean, I know we're gonna we're gonna be talking about um, the episode in more detail, but like for me, I, I genuinely think as an episode, the cage itself is a stronger story than where no man has gone before. You know, the second pilot. Mm. I think it's a stronger story. It's got a better story. It's got more interesting mystery behind it. I mean, I know that Roddenberry almost essentially said that he uh, very much, um, shall we say, uh, took influence from uh, Forbidden Planet. Yeah. Um, yeah, massively so. Clear. Massively so. But, you know, that's fine. Um, although I will say, as much as I think it is a stronger episode, I can't see, and maybe maybe I'm just, it's just me here, but I 
can't see Star Trek have grown into would have grown into the phenomenon that it has without Kirk, Spock, McCoy dynamic. Yeah. But uh, I still love it. I still think it's like because every so often I watch the case, you know, watch where no man's gone before, and I'm just like, it's, it's not really in it for me. It's just cages. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> where no man has gone before does have more punching. So yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot more punching. There's so much more. One, so, so much one thing that yeah something you said in there about it being very similar to forbidden planet um when i watched this uh for the first time in, in a very long time i realized that there are scenes from this that i actually think are from forbidden Planet, like the shooting the laser at the door part yeah. like that, <laughs> yeah. that and forbidden planet have like kind of blurred together almost completely and yeah the, the influence is, is absolutely there and also i think the other like the big difference the big weird thing is obviously the spock um, Spock in this pilot, every time someone speaks to him, it sounds like he's just woken up and he's pretending like he's been awake. He's like, well, yes, uh, the bridge, uh, check the circuits. Uh, what is wrong with you? That's it. We get this, we get this really quite impressive shot for the 60s. I know we're watching a remaster, so they have redone it slightly with, with CGI yeah. and everything. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they, they actually, f- the ship's flying through space, and then you go in the top of the bridge and you see everyone sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> and then Spock's the first one who walks in because he just walks in and goes, check the circuit! <laughs> just like shouts at everyone. Fucking hell! Um, I'm Spock! Basically, <laughs> the, the, original, the original shot is actually, yeah, you say it's, re- it's still really impressive. Yeah. I mean, you know, by, by modern standards, no, but by then it's just like, you know, having that amazing, I think it's like the 11-foot model yeah. that, that Matt Jeffries designed, um, which had obviously changed slightly when they went to series but having that beautiful model coming in and then sort of superimposing the shot of the bridge tracking in it's just like yes mate i mean is your mind blown by this yeah how the fuck do they all fit in an 11 foot model (laughs) (laughs) very small actors yeah Sci-fi, mate. Sci-fi. Oh, it's way, way that's, right. that's, why, that's why they didn't bring Jeffrey Hunter back. Because when they went to series with Kirk, they built the actual full-size sets, and he was too small. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Actually, his wife said to him, "You don't like science fiction anymore, Jeffrey Hunter." And he said, "Yeah, you're right. I don't." Well, yeah, I, I, yeah. Well, it was, it was more like apparently he, he want, he was an up-and-coming film actor, and sci-fi at that point was still not considered serious like no one was right. doing it so when when they came back to do the second pilot apparently they did approach him to, to do it yeah. and his wife was just like no you want to be a serious actor you don't want to get tied to, to science fiction so he kind of went no i, I don't want to get tied to he, was science in, fiction. he was in the searches and, right he was, yeah, um, was before this yeah. yeah 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 which is my father's favorite western in case anybody wanted to know it, it is yeah he's great yeah he was well, that's what he was mainly known for, yeah. Westerns. Um, so he was just like, I'm going to keep doing that. And obviously that didn't really work out for him very well. <laughs> um, him obviously passing away only a few years later. Terribly, terrible thing. But, you know, sad. Um, but, yeah, I, we needed Shatner in there, though. Yeah. So, you know... <laughs> But anyway, after Spock has told them to check the circuit, uh, the view screen sort of wibbles a bit, and Spock's like, there's definitely something out there. And 
then I was the only members of the crew who get names in this episode are Spock, Captain Pike, and Doctor Boyce. Then there's just this guy driving the ship and number one and yeoman. The helmsman is called Jose Tyler, apparently. On our way. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. But but here's a here's a lovely little thing. Um, his original name was going to be Jose Ortegas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, which is recycled for yeah, strange new worlds, yeah. Uh, but he's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to crash it. Oh, I went through it. It's fine. It's, it's like a radio signal. And while all this is going on, there's just this guy in a blue jumper stood next to Captain Pike's chair with a massive fucking clipboard who keeps trying to pass Captain Pike a bit of paper. And Captain Pike is like, I don't want that fucking bit of paper. Stop actually, waving it in my face. Serving of his divorce papers, like his wife has. <laughs> and he's just, if, he, if he refuses it, then he doesn't have to be divorced from his wife. But this guy spends the whole episode stood by the captain's chair with this massive clipboard and just looking nervous. He does, yeah. Yeah, that guy. What was he doing? <laughs> I was just looking at all of their uniforms being made out of repurposed Christmas jumpers. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. But you know what? They look great. And I'd wear one. <laughs> And then Pike's new Rome, Roman? Yeoman. Oh, yeah. how many times do you think about the Roman Empire, Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> his, his new Yeoman, whose name I can't remember, J.M. Colt. There we go. Yeoman J.M. Colt is also there, just around. And then Pike's like, we're not going to go investigate this distress call that's radio waves because we've got to get all our injured people to a hospital. Uh, so, yeah, let's just let's just ignore it. There's a lot, lot of fannying around, isn't there? This episode is fannying around heavy. Like, yeah. he goes to his bedroom and then he has to have, yeah. like, a, his oh, doctor yeah. turns up and irresponsibly gives him a drink. I know that McCoy would do a similar thing as well. He's just like, oh, yeah, let's have a drink on dog. You feel like the doctor needs an excuse to get everybody drinking, like, because he's constantly, like, wandering around the ship getting people to drink with him. <laughs> he's always got That's... a martini in that bag. Yeah, yeah, just a loose one, yeah. just like drinking out of his bag. I can very much imagine that for some people, it's part of the like atmosphere and appeal of the episode. It like creates the atmosphere as these extremely kind of long, unnecessary shots that are like two minutes long rather than the necessary thirty seconds that they really would be. And it's cut part of what you know um, helps. Uh, a tribute to the hour and two minutes or whatever it is runtime of this episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any adverts or anything, and that's kind of crazy. There, there is a lot of of sort of kind of world building that he puts in there at the beginning with the the whole business of uh, of, of Rigel Seven and all that stuff, which obviously foreshadows later. But they really sell it because um, later on they're all like really selling those injuries. Like Spock's like limping. Everywhere, yeah. if you watch like the first half of like half of the episode, he's like limping, and a bunch of them have got like you know massive bandages and plasters on their necks, and it's like we've seen stuff, you know, we've been through stuff. This is what gets me. So Pike, he's in his quarters, and his bed's too short because when he lies back on it, his feet hang over the yeah. end. And then he calls he calls Doctor Boyce and says, "Hey, Doctor Boyce, come to my room." And Doctor Boyce turns up with drinks, and Pike's like, "I don't really know why I've invited you here, but I'm going to moan now because we've just lost like we've had." Three people die, seven people have been wounded, including my yeoman. And so, like, we assume seven people have been wounded. We can infer from that Spock and Tyler were two of them, and then another guy who goes down on the planet later on. If only seven people were wounded, 
but he's got 203 people on the ship. When he takes a landing party down later, why does he take all the wounded people? <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point. <laughs> but... I never even thought of that. <laughs> Buck wasn't even actually wounded in the mission. He said a like, real bad case of piles from a couple of weeks before. <laughs> it's just like he's never quite recovered from it. He's a bit embarrassed. <laughs> can't tell anyone about it. He had a really spicy pizza. He yeah. hasn't settled on his haircut yet, has he? Still trying the new sort of <laughs> to the side thing before it gets to the bowl cut. His eyebrows are bushy. Someone's going to walk up to him next week and go, Spock, you need to trim those caterpillars. <laughs> but Pike says to, to Dr. Boyce, like, I think I might resign and either go home and raise my horses or go be a pirate. I could go be a pirate. <laughs> and Dr. Boyce is like, no, no, stay here. And then Spock calls in and says, ah, oh, there are survivors in that crash on, on, on the planet. And Pike's like, oh, fine. <laughs> I do I do love that scene, though, between voice. I get, I, I do uh, fully accept the whole, you know, the, the, the idea that it's a bit irresponsible with the drinking, come on now. Like, <laughs> but I do I do love it because I think it, it gives us a, a, a kind of an insight into his mental state for the yeah. episode and sort of shows that he's he's and then they they sort of replicate it don't they later on in like wrath of Khan. yeah but like there's the scene between kirk and mccoy and then they do it again a very nice sort of tribute i think um between kirk and mccoy in star trek beyond yeah this sort of this bonding between these people and then like the mental state of the captains just like i've had enough of it and just go and be, and in this case i'm gonna go be a pirate because apparently that's there's other lives available yeah. <laughs> This is a line I'd forgotten about because I, I always assumed that because um, Gene Roddenberry did a whole thing, didn't he? They didn't want to have like piracy episodes in, in the original Star Trek. He didn't want that to be part of it. So I was quite surprised when mm. I heard that. That I mean, obviously, we know what Orions are like, but with the benefit of hindsight, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Oh, yeah, we, we saw them on Enterprise yeah. having a lovely time. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry again, Stace, if you're listening. But yeah, so Pike goes back to the bridge. Dr. Boyce goes with him. And he's like, fine, we'll go to Talos 4. And then he says, time warp factor 7. So they're doing a time warp at this point. They haven't quite settled on the terminology. And then they play the theme tune. You get a Starfield playing over it. Everyone stands there. They're looking like they don't quite know what to do. And Pike goes, I'm, I'm going to lean over and, and just look at what buttons Tyler's pushing. And you feel like somebody's going to turning the set slowly around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but well, isn't this the bit as well where he encounters the yeoman and he's like, fucking hell, I'm not used to yeah. seeing the <laughs> Look at my shoulders. Like... Memory Alpha literally says he encounters a comely young woman. Yeah, he's oh, like, God. Jesus Christ. He's like, oh, yeah, of course, not, not you, number one. I don't, I don't think of you as a woman. She's like, but I am a woman. He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. He's like, yeah, this is, this is where the casual 60s sexism catches. Because he, yes. he, he says, I just can't get used to having a woman on the bridge. Or not you, number one. <laughs> Interestingly, they, that's one of the lines they cut in the menagerie. Yeah. When they repurpose the bridge. Uh, that, that's gone. Yeah. They don't, they don't bring that back. And I'm like, good. A little bit more civil rights <laughs> movement has happened between then and then. So yeah. they're like, yeah, we should probably do that bit where, we should probably cut that bit where Captain Pike is surprised about breasts on his bridge. And he's like, Jesus Christ. It was one of my, it was one of my favorite things because it, you could just see the sort of, um, you know, conflict within Roddenberry himself. Because he's just like, I'm going to make a woman 
the, the first officer, there are going to be men taking orders from this woman. And this is a big deal because in the future, this is going to be a thing and we love it. And that's because that's the way it should be. But also, I can't help but then make a big, big open commentary about having a woman on the bridge and that being weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mate, mate to, to, to choose a direction. We want it to be the progressive one. Do that one. Don't do that. It's just like, oh. But yeah, Yeoman Colt says, oh, but you wanted this report. And he's like, oh, yeah, I did want this report. I'm going to flip through these. I might sign that. Yeah. You cool. fucking have my divorce papers. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Blue guy's like, cheers, mate. <laughs> and then they arrive at Talos 4 and Pike takes all the wounded people down to the planet with him. <laughs> and they find these these blue flowers that like make fun noises. And when Spock and Pike touch them, they both do big smiles. They were cool. That was weird and unexplained cool. and cool. And created the background sound for this whenever they're outside. This, any of the scenes outside are accompanied by the sound of the flowers. So it's oh, a pretty cool. cool consistency. I love an Elliot sound yeah. perspective. Yeah. I, what you'll notice, Elliot, as well, is every planet the original series visits will have that noise, but not those blue flowers. Oh, they're just behind the rocks, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just out of shot. That's <laughs> how it works, right? The polystyrene rocks, yeah. <laughs> I did notice that um, one one member of the uh, the landing party had a massive backpack, and they never get anything out of it. It's all the boy sandwiches, no. isn't it? <laughs> that they've made number one make. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> you're not like other first officer women, number one, you're cool. And she's like, yeah, I know, yeah. Now make our sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. And then they approach like this camp, and one of them goes, they're men, just normal men. Like, innocent <laughs> men. <laughs> innocent men? <laughs> <laughs> but... Like, it's just this is a group of guys where you're just like, yeah, there's no way that these guys haven't resorted to, like, some pretty hardcore sodomy whilst they've uh, been down on this planet. When there's, like, you know, 12 <laughs> dudes and one girl. Like, they were all too shy to speak to her. They're just, like, just going at it with each other. They had a great time. Like, they didn't want to be rescued, I think. Is <laughs> it their ship is the SS Columbia, which was going slow? Because, as, as Tyler says, the time barrier's been broken. Has it? Who did that? Sounds fucking important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> no, they've got the terminology, and I think that's the thing with when you're watching the cage, because all this stuff keeps popping up. So, like, you can take it as this like wonderful episode of its own, but then people try and get it to fit canonically with the rest of Star Trek, and you just sort of have to go, just don't do that. Just don't. Don't do that. <laughs> but all these people who are like, well, that one line in Strange New Worlds, that that goes against what Picard once said in The Next Generation. And it's like, yeah, if everything they say in the cage is canon, then these people are fucking insane. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's a young lady on the planet as well who was born just as they crashed. And her name is Vina. And she's like, I want to tell the captain our secret because he is a prime specimen. She didn't speak like that. <laughs> she did speak quite. She she does speak quite peculiar though. Like it's, she does get quite creepy quite quickly with the way she starts talking. But I don't think that any of like the weird old men really knew what to do. Like it, you know, theoretically, if they actually existed, she. So they just kind of let her yeah. like walk around saying weird shit, and they're like, "Well, none of us. Like, I'm I'm not a dad. I'm just 
It's like, oh, this man is really <laughs> sexy. <laughs> and, um, we, we do get a, a little shot of, of three aliens with big heads watching the landing party on the a screen. The terrifying scrotum men of Talos Ford. <laughs> half men, half scrotum. Who are played by women and dubbed by men. Are they cool? Yeah, they they got yep. like yep. creepy old women and put them in the costumes to make them look like alien men. Okay, oh, that's, I feel like this is another sort of reference to Stanley Kubrick. That we've got that everything in space takes ages to do, and then we've got a scary old woman that appears in a bathtub. I don't know. There's something. <laughs> I'll refine it and we'll put it in. Okay, but yeah, one one of the creepy old men says to Vina, "Yes, you should go show him your secret. Can I watch?" Elliot, how did you feel about this scene? I I kinda like these alien dudes and you know, the the biggest gripe I have is their clothes. Their little roby robe cloaky cloaks they got on that are like this light sky blue. It's very it's very of the era. it's bound to be because it was the sixties and that was just the thing, but they kind of, they're like, they half look like fa- sci-fi. They half look like He-Man fantasy. Like <laughs> they, they kind of look like they've all just like come out of a pretty fancy spa weekend and kind of wearing <laughs> yeah. clothes. I'm not changing. I find it very comfortable. It was, it was the sixties. Future clothes were shiny. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love the Telosians though. I love the little hydraulics that they have in the heads. To make the move yeah. and like pulsate and things like that, I'm just like, I was that's not awesome. expect for the the pilot of Star Trek, the infamously low on budget and bad monster suits show. I was not expecting to go as far as to try, as to make the heads pulsate. Well, Elliot, this was the most expensive episode of the original series, <laughs> and they never used it. And to be fair, we did get the crappy people in suits in this episode, though. Yeah, well, when they wanted to show all the different, like, yeah. <laughs> Let's just get a quick confirmation then that there are at least original series episodes as good as, if not better, than the Cage. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, fine. yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. All right. Yeah. yeah. What you'll find about the original series of Star Trek that I think has never kind of well occasionally does come up again but probably has got more episodes of this type is that you have like classic science fiction stories like that you would find in like an old sort of science fiction anthology which is why occasionally you'll get like you know alice in wonderland turning up in there because you know they're kind of messing around with like weird psychedelic concepts yeah okay that's cool yeah Uh, but yeah so vena leads pike away to show him something she climbs up a little ramp by a big rock, and then she disappears, and all the men in the camp disappear, and three of the Telosians walk out and I don't know, hit Pike with some kind of cattle prod, I think, and knock him out. It's like a, yeah, it's like a little buff and a puff of yeah. smoke. It's like really weirdly superimposed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I really did wonder what that was because it was it looked like such a one-use thing. Like if he'd missed with it, he'd have been fucked. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little magic wand, wasn't it? Yeah, like a pixie, a pixie stick. <laughs> I, I do think there are some things in this episode that every time I rewatch it, and I have rewatched it a lot, like every time they come up, I'm just like, 
you didn't really know what to do here, did you? <laughs> so there's like the so there's that bit just before the Telosians come out where Venus sort of like pulls Pike away and she's like, We're gonna show I'm gonna show you our secret and then she just goes, It's here <laughs> and here. Can't you see it? And he's like, You had no idea what to do here, did you? <laughs> like you just kind of the director like literally just went, Right, uh the script kind of doesn't give us anything. So uh just kind of point random bits on the set and go here and here and like jeffrey hunter's doing his best kind of go i'm really confused because yeah. it probably is it was and i kind of i kind of felt the same with what you were saying when they went into warp earlier on in the episode when they were just standing there yeah. like directors like so it's like right so this is the big bit when they're all going into warp and they all turn to him and go so what's that like and they're like no idea haven't yeah. figured it out yet just stand around and we'll do it later <laughs> i i feel like this bit was a bit like when someone sits next to you on the bus and then they start talking to you and you're like yeah you're chatting and then they start talking to you about like oh can i show you this weird anti-zionist video on my phone you're like oh shit oh, no. <laughs> how much of that like we'll do it later was actually around I know it will, it will have been around, but because the do it later back then was actually stenciling in with pencil. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. 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 I have no idea, man. I have no idea, but it just sort of felt like that, especially with that bit in the beginning when they were in time, like, let's go to time warp factor, whatever. And they're all just standing there going, because in Forbidden Planet, which was obviously the only real thing before this, they all went into sort of like hyper sleep pod things when they went into light speed and they were just sort of stood in things which were basically the transporters um and they so you didn't see them they had something to do but in star trek they're like we don't we don't really know what that looks like let's just stand around and just kind <laughs> of like the look like we're like flailing their arms like <laughs> you're doing you're doing flailing to factor eight. Oh fuck sorry oh shit <laughs> <laughs> intensify flailing <laughs> <laughs> so the Telosians now put Captain Pike in their lift and take him down just as Spock and Tyler run up and the door closes and they fire lasers. They're not phasers yet. These are no, lasers. I love that they've got like little eight millimeter camera like apertures on. <laughs> yeah, there's one now. <laughs> Those of you who are on Patreon, you'll be able to see Andy's cage era phaser. Captain Pike's laser pistol. That's what it was officially called when it came out in the six, uh, in the, like ninety six uh, by Playmates. But this is to me like one of the greatest sci fi like pistol weapons I love it. ever. I do love it's it. just freaking cool, and you just be like, "Oh no, here we go!" Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and even even twists, even twists like later on in the episode. Amazing. Oh, so I've good. already got a hand solo DL forty four. <laughs> Which is... that's, that's my next favorite that's my next favorite when it comes to sci-fi pistols no, it's, up, it's up there with Deckard's bl- you know, Blade Runner oh, Deckard's gun love so, that. but this this is just like one of the best things I mean you love the, t- the, the original series Phaser it's great but this has just got like Buck Rogers sci-fi I don't have any guns, but I do have a bee with a crown on a stick that you'll just keep building bigger bees with bigger crowns on bigger sticks to destroy us all. <laughs> but yeah, Spock and Tyler shoot at the door. It doesn't work. Tyler turns his gun up, shoots it again. It still doesn't work. Another guy fires, and it's like this. This isn't working. Shall I have a go as well? Like, yeah, you might as well have a go. It's like, oh yeah, still not working. It's like, Shall I have a go? Yeah, go on. This is one of those like two and a half minute sections that could have been 30 to 45 <laughs> seconds 
no, man, this is, about. No, no, I, I, I disagree, man. I think this is the bit they're like, right, we're going to show off the weapons. We're going to have the visual effects of them firing these guns. It's going to be and, really uh, exciting. And we're going to do nothing. Like, that's the problem. Yeah. But we get a little bit of action because there's that bit where they fire the weapon, like fire the lasers first of all the door, and then Tyler, before it jumps off the rocks, does this sort of action-y, I'm going to be the action guy, this is who I'm going to be, and he just sort of does this jumping thing, and I'm just a bit like, that looks a bit high. Yeah. This is why Pike's crew get injured a lot because they're like doing stupid <laughs> parkour bullshit and hurting their ankles. That's why Spock is limping, probably. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's definitely sort of a case of like, what if I press with the button on my phaser really hard, or my laser really hard? It's like, yeah, we'll all try that. And they're like, no, it doesn't work. Yeah. But now that they've failed to shoot the door, Spike pulls out his communicator. And the communicators are huge at this point. They're these big, oh, yeah, chunky communicators. And Spock calls the ship and goes, uh, We've lost the captain. Just <laughs> lost him. Let's, let's run. She's gone, mate. <laughs> yeah, let's just go. We're in trouble. <laughs> Those communicators are so bare bones. They're literally like, they've not even got a proper case. No. And to be getting in there from just from the planet they're on and stopping it working. <laughs> could, you imagine, could you imagine that that call, how it would have really gone? Spock's like, so number one, uh, we've, uh, we've lost the captain. What happened to him? Well, there's loads of old men, but then there's this really hot woman, and then she sort of takes him off, and uh, <laughs> and uh, then he just sort of goes missing. She's just like, oh my god, this is regular. Like, no, but it's like she, <laughs> she, she, she what's him off? What did she do? <laughs> <laughs> so now Pike wakes up, and he's in a cell underground. He's They've taken his communicator, his gun, and for some reason, his jacket. Um, <laughs> not a jacket in cell. My cigarettes were in the jacket, you bastards. <laughs> and oh, God, I just... There's, like his jacket. There's, a, there's a transparent wall, and he throws himself at it a couple of times, and it doesn't work. And then the Telosians turn up, and they start going, you will notice this man is a prick. Yeah, like, oh, you can see we have a pig man and a chicken man, and you will be our first man, man. Yeah, yeah, and you do see the big furry man that is a man in a costume from a different show. I think I think it was either you did, was it Twilight Zone or Outer Limits or something. It was you, yes, yeah, yeah. It's it, it. There's very much. There's a lot of reusing sets in this, isn't yeah. there? Like, yeah. Later on, there's like some kind of like like Mongol warrior with like a kiwi fruit hat on. Like, yeah, there's a lot of, <laughs> lot of weird shit going yeah. on in this episode. And then a, a, a man in a bird costume that they try and keep a little bit hidden, just a really shit bird costume. <laughs> yeah. I'd completely blasts. forgotten about both of those costumes until you brought them back up. I'd forgotten <laughs> about them completely. But, but do you know what, though? To be fair, as a kid, when I, I mean, I'm, I must have been about, I don't know, about 10 when I first mm. watched this. I think it must have been about that. Um, I actually think I watched this before I watched Menagerie, actually. But when I watched it, that actually kind of was like, what is that? I was really into it, like, as a kid. Those kind of really weird, crappy suits, even, like, back in the 90s, like, when I was, like, re- when I was younger, I was just like, that is, that is kind of edge stuff, right? This is, this is where it's at. <laughs> and my, dad, my dad was like, my dad was like, no, here's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, go away. Like, that's, that's real suits, you know. But yeah, I actually really like that. I feel like the, you know, you know, masclophobia, which is like the the fear of um, mascots. I feel like that that's the kind of same thing that makes you afraid of these costumes, like these these weird aliens. 
But yeah, they're, they're talking to each other telepathically and Pike's there going, why am I here? I'm Captain Pike. I want my ship. Ah, telepathy, is it? You can read my mind, I can read yours. And they go, that's not how telepathy works, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can read my mind. Well, why don't you ram some Captain Crunch up your assholes? And they're like, <laughs> he is so primitive. Or it's like the Lois Lane thing from Superman. Can you read my mind? <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of that song. Um, is it like a killer song without thinking about that? Fucking oh, yeah. Read my, my mind. mind poem. Killers. <laughs> you say you want to move on it. You say I'm falling behind. Can you read my mind? Do you know what it is that you do to me? I don't know who you are. Just a friend from another star. But they keep ignoring him and say, oh, look, and now he is going to boast about how powerful his ship is. You know, well, my ship is powerful. And now he's going to throw himself against the glass. Oh, yes, I am. But, hmm. <laughs> that, again, that was like a little bit of editing, wasn't it? Because he was like, I'm trying to talk to you. And they're completely ignoring him. And then they go, now he's going to uh, throw himself against the glass. And then the editing there just suddenly kind of goes, oh, yeah, I meant to do that now, aren't I? And he kind of looks around and it was just like, <laughs> and he's all oh, jump against the glass okay <laughs> now he's going to push both of his palms together and fold down one of his fingers and turn it around and make it look <laughs> <laughs> and then they say right well we're gonna make you experience some illusions now let's take you back to a recent mission which you're not happy about it's recent in your memory and oh fuck pike's on rigel seven with a fucking brilliant map painting of a big castle oh my god so good and they reused that a lot in like the credits for, yeah. for the original series because they were just like, we can't not use this. Yeah. This is just beautiful. Like all the way like through Star Trek lore, that image has just been prominent everywhere because it's just incredible. But it's different to how it was when he was actually on Rigel 7 because Vina comes running out of the castle in a big princess dress and long hair. Of course she does. And he's like, well, you've got different hair, but you're the same woman. And I'm like, yeah, Chris, sometimes women change their hair. There's there's a, across the way from this pilot episode right now, there was a Robin Hood film, and the director was really pissed at this point. He's like, where's the Maid Marian's outfit? We can't fulfill without the Maid Where's the guy? Somebody go fight Roddenberry. So, <laughs> so Vina runs at Captain Pike and is like, help me, help me, it's going to get us. And they they run into the castle and... Then Pike has a fight with a Mongol warrior. <laughs> yeah, with a big Kiwi hat on, like a big yeah. Kiwi fruit style hat. I like that a lot. Do you reckon that that hat, that costume was from that film where John Wayne played Genghis Khan and they were downwind from the nuclear test site and it was the film that killed John Wayne ultimately because it gave him nuclear cancer? Nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I. I, do you know what though? I again, like it's obviously this is the scene that was foreshadowed in yeah. the, the chat with boys about what happened on 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 Rigel Seven and all this other stuff. And again, this was one of those things that growing up, I was you know you saw the little snippet in the cage, but it's like what the hell happened on this episode, like in this mission? And the only real thing we ever got for years was a comic series uh, from Marvel called uh, Star Trek Early Adventures, mm. which was written by Dan Dan Abnett. 
where he was like he basically just explored like before the cage with these characters and they sort of showed you like what happened in this mission for the first time and you get introduced to uh um the yeoman that got killed off and all this other stuff and it was it was awesome um and they obviously then actually revisited it mm. in like season two of strange new world yeah, yeah, yeah. which, which was kind of really really cool but this was just like one of the first things that was laid down in this episode which i for years was just like I want to know more. That's a weird planet. Why did they go there? Why is there like, a giant Mongol horde, man? <laughs> what's happening, man? Like, and then, yeah, crazy. Another note that I've got about this as well is that, have you noticed that Pike doesn't really seem to know where he works? Because, like, he, <laughs> the Talosians are like, oh, he's like, I'm Captain Pike from the flying car and Enterprise, the space chimpanzee space vehicle. yeah the, the, the giant <laughs> space vehicle road runner like, where, where do you work like do you know like, have you even thought about this before giant wheel you're like no you don't work in a giant wheel <laughs> I, um, I don't have anything against this but i certainly don't have a love for this mongolian dude i, just, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't have think a... you need to love him I don't. I don't have a deep desire to know why there's a dude there. I'm just like, that's dumb. He shouldn't be there. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. He gets stabbed twice, and then he's and then Pike stabs him, totally does. and then he's and then Pike's like, I'm gonna go down here and just position this big spear, and the guy's like, I'm gonna jump on it. Oh, now I'm dead. I I feel that Elliot is is kind of like uh, you know the rest of us have got like a weird nostalgia about this, but Elliot's like a studio exec who's just walked in on set that day, just smoking a cigarette. <laughs> So what's uh, going on just, here? It's like, oh, we're filming up a pilot. Deal. This so is like never going to appeal. Star Trek. He's like, Star Trek. Yeah. It's kind of lame. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to smoke more cigarettes in my office, maybe drink some whiskey, chase my second <laughs> around. <laughs> but now that now that the, the, the big man is dead, R.I.P. big man, <laughs> Pike and Vina find themselves back in his cell and and he's like, oh, that was weird and, and he finds out from Vina she's like, I want to do more fantasies where you save me from things, please <laughs> <You're exhausting>. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, okay, we can do that but you need to answer some questions first and she's like, okay, so they want us to fuck so we can start a new race of people to live on the surface that they decimated with war thousands of centuries ago. Now let's do a fantasy! Nice, nice bit of exposition between fantasies, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, we've actually got to kind of move this story along between the fantasies. We've actually got to explain some of this. So let's just do an information dump and yeah. then move on to the good stuff. There, there was a very D&D feel about this, I think, you know, they, they, they are doing kind of like psychic D&D, right? Yeah. <laughs> but then she starts screaming because the Telosians are punishing her, and then she just disappears but seems to leave her dress behind, Obi-Wan Kenobi style. <laughs> Oh, that's Why right. Is that? <laughs> that's right. Oh, God. She becomes one with the Force. Please. They'll need a pair of humans, too. Where do they intend to get the Earth Woman? You said that if I answered your questions... But that was a bargain with something that didn't exist. You said you weren't real, remember? I'm a woman. As real and as human as you are. We're like Adam and Eve. If we can... 
Do we? Isn't there a point in this where we cut back to the bridge as well? well? Yeah, no, we, yeah. We, we go back to the Enterprise and they're having a conference where they're talking about what's happened to Captain Pike and stuff. Spock is like, oh yeah, their scrotums are three times the size of ours. And then Spock goes, I have a picture of one and a drawing <laughs> of a Telosian appears on the screen and number one goes, Spock, did you draw this? Yes, yes I did. Here's my lovely... Here's my lovely sketch. I did this sketch. This is what I look like. <laughs> Number one, I wish we'd never given him that extra sketch. Spock's <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, I had to do many drafts. I'm sorry the meeting was late, but, you know, I needed to nail this drawing. Oh, that, that really cracked me up. I, I did uh, laugh out loud when I saw Spock's drawing of the, of the Telosian. <laughs> oh, you know he did it with fucking, like, some coding language as well. Like, he didn't sit there and draw it. Like, he... <laughs> Yeah. Fucking Spock. and then they're like well we could probably shoot the door down with the ship's power and number one says what does that mean and they're like well we're never really going to clarify it let's just go with it good plan cool everyone break (laughs) and then we're back on the planet and like a little panel opens up in pike's cell and before he can get to it a telosian puts like a cocktail down and then they drink this, <laughs> and, then, drink it. and then they come to his window, and they're like, "This is like a nourishing paste you can have." And he's like, "Oh, lovely!" And they go, "Oh no, you, you can make it taste and appear as any food you want." And he says, "Well, maybe I'll starve myself." Oh God, don't you want like a shepherd's pie? And he's like, "No, and don't." And then, and then they punish him by making him think he's in a fiery porridge. <laughs> yeah, his arms are like this, and there's like porridge dripping off of it. <laughs> I believe oh. Jeffrey Hunter's discomfort in that, yeah. in, that, in that moment. And they say, that was from a fable you heard once when you were young. And he says, I think you misunderstood the three bears. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? What the fuck kind of thing is this that we had absolutely no other context for that he previously had read about on Earth that was some kind of burning hell sand pit? What? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but then, right, Pike shoulder barges the glass screen again, and the Telosian jumps back and he's like, ah, see, I really wanted to kill you just now, and you didn't realize you can't understand primitive emotions. <laughs> and they're like, okay, but fuck the girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, please, we just want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> but also drink the drink that we've just you know mysteriously given you. You know, we've got you in a cage. Here's a drink. Drink the drink. <laughs> Fuck the girl. Hey, dodgy. She's a real girl. What is this drink? He's like, this is prime energy drink, a very advanced beverage. <laughs> and they're like, she was the sole survivor of the Columbia crash, but she was like an adult. So she's you know, she's legal. You can have her. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, yeah, this it gets very sixties at uh at this point right <laughs> yeah and then he's in another illusion and he's outside his hometown of Mojave which is a desert in our time but in the Star Trek future is all lush grassland with a big old futuristic city another lovely map painting in the background and this is the first establishing moment of all Star Trek captains fucking love a horse <laughs> they do uh... they love to be in some town somewhere and like some farm 
Except it's a prerequisite. Except Archer, he loved swimming pools. Yeah, well, he's a weirdo, isn't he? Yeah, he did. But like, here's a here's a really weird fact that I didn't realise, didn't know till recently. This tiny section is um, the only it's the only depiction of Earth in all of Star Trek the original series. Yeah. Don't they go to Earth and get shot at by airplanes? I mean, in, fu- in like the future, right? Okay. So like, they go to Earth in, in like you know like the past and things like that, right? And, you know, obviously, it's yeah, on the yeah, edge of forever. And they're like present, that. but in like yeah. contemporary present, the only depiction of Earth in the original series. I think I read that on Memory, Memory Alpha the other day, and I was like, "That's bonkers! That can't be right." Mm. Well, it is. It's mad. And. Vina's there, and she is his wife now, apparently, and he's like, oh, I don't have a wife. And she's like, no, I'm your fucking wife, and you're giving me a headache with your crazy talk. And then she's now, eat these chicken tuna sandwiches. And my wife went, chicken tuna? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? We need, lots, we need to have lots of protein in your system for some reason. Eat the chicken tuna sandwiches. <laughs> Prime energy drink. <laughs> And, and then she's like, yes, they struggle with primitive emotions, but you can't keep it up for long. I've tried. And Pike's like, well, I'm a very angry man. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's all, okay, you're not enjoying this fantasy. So let's do the pirate one. And then we get the oh. most Gene Roddenberry scene Star Trek ever did. <laughs> he, he just can't resist. It's another image that lived in infamy all the way through Star Trek. Yeah, so Pike is now dressed as a very fancy pirate with these two fucking creeps either side oh, of him. Gosh, yeah. I don't know who they were, but they were, oh my God. And then Vina is there and she is an Orion slave girl who is dancing for him and she fucking loves it because she's an Orion slave girl and they love being slaves. <sighs> so it's cool, right? Oh. <laughs> Which they make a real point of saying. They make a real point of saying yeah, that, don't they? they do. oh, you believe yeah. it? They absolutely love being exploited. So it's fine, everybody. It's like, it's not. This is not. Yeah. <laughs> they were meant to be pirates? Well, slavers, pirates, yeah. you know, rich. Pirates. Yeah. I mean, it gets like established later on, doesn't it? Later on, the Orion Syndicate and yeah. pirates and all that sort of stuff. But that was all born out of those simple lines of piracy and Orion slave women and things like that from this episode. Again, I didn't really know. It just sounded cool and exotic and alien and weird. And it was weird. <laughs> yeah. But Pike has decided, actually, I don't like this pirate fantasy. And he just leaves. So on the Enterprise, they, they then beam down to the surface and now they've got a big gun. And like, is all this stuff about ship's power supposed to imply that they've actually taken one of the actual phases off the ship? And beamed it down as a separate. Oh, is that what they're doing? I don't know. I mean, that's no. They never. They never explained it, did they? They were like, so now we've got this massive gun that can channel <laughs> the ship's power through it. Yeah. Don't tell you how. Is it wireless? Who knows? Do we have to plug it back in again? Yeah, probably. Why don't they just shoot from the ship to the surface? Because <laughs> that would have been logical. <laughs> Spock, where were you? This is your thing. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't work, though. They shoot it with as much power as they can give it, and, and nothing gets through, and number one's all like, oh, that should have blown up a continent, and it didn't even dent this little hill. Yay. And then they go back on the ship, and they're going to go down and try again, but only number one and Yeoman Colt are beamed down. 
And they turn up in Pike's cell where he is with Vina, and she's like, "Ah, oh, the Orion Slave Girl bit didn't work, and now there are other women here." <laughs> oh man, oh man, you missed out the bit where where they beam down and the bloke throws Spock just runs out and goes, "The women, <laughs> the women, <laughs> the women, those were my women." <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. It was just like, I know they hadn't established Spock. I know that they didn't really plan on him being the logical one at that point or whatever. But just like him jumping forward going, the women is like the most unspock yeah. thing that you could have ever done. <laughs> but now the Telosians walk up and go, right, so now, Captain Pike, you have your choice of women. If you don't want Vina, you could have number one. She fantasizes about you. And she's very clever. Or you could have Yeoman Colt. She's young and virile. Whoa. Like number one's like XA on the Ocifay Alotion Tay. This was so dumb. <laughs> it was dumb. It was so dumb. This was one of the dumbest parts of the episode. <laughs> yeah, you are right. You are you're absolutely spot on. Yeah. But they've they've beamed number one and Yeoman Colt down with their jackets and guns. Key point. And the Telosians say, we'll give you time to decide which one you want to have sex with while we watch. This is important. Yeah, and then Vina's like, oh, I don't like you. And number one says, well, uh, I'm going to do some calculations. You're an old lady. <laughs> yeah. Uh... And she basically completely cusses her out. She's just like, well, let's just do some computations, shall we? <laughs> there was a crewman listed as an adult uh, many years ago. Ergo, you old. <laughs> She's just like, oh, no, no, no. and no one talks about that again. They just kind of don't mention it. <laughs> so, yeah, Pike is all like, oh, I'm staying angry, so I'm not getting involved in this women's problems we're having. <laughs> uh, and then he pretends to go to sleep, and they've put the guns down by the panel which the Telosians used to give him food. And then they open the panel, and Pike wakes up and runs at it and grabs the Telosian and pulls him into the, the cell. And then points the gun at him and he's strangling him. That scene made me laugh so much. <laughs> strangling that testicle head in the alien. And the Telosian goes, hard. This <laughs> <laughs> the foot is twitching, he's like <laughs> If only they had some kind of really obvious fucking weak spot that was visible. <laughs> <laughs> But he, he turns into the big fluffy monster from the other cell, and Pike's like, I'm still going to squeeze your head off. So he turns back into the Telosian Keeper, and then Pike's like, so I think I tried shooting the wall with these guns, and nothing happened. They're out of power. But I think they did work. There's a big hole in that wall, and you're stopping me seeing it with your telepathy. So I'm going to point it at your head and pull the trigger, and we'll see what happens. And the Telosian's like, oh, fuck. Okay, yep, there's that hole in the wall. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, they they get out of the hole and go back up to the service with their hostage. And <laughs> when they get up there, oh, back on the Enterprise, Spock's like, well, there's nothing else we can do, let's leave. But they can't because all the instruments are dead. <laughs> and then and then the Telosian says, aha, but I wanted you on the surface all along. Now get to fucking. <laughs> he basically says that. Yeah. <laughs> he basically says that. Yeah, you will repopulate the surface. We're going to give you food and stuff. Yeah, just just get on with it. Pick a woman. And then Pike says, look, send number one and Yeoman Colt back to the Enterprise and I'll stay here with Vina. 
but number one doesn't like this. And she's like, I'm going to turn my gun to blow up and kill everyone on the, on the surface. And Pike's like, yeah, cool, that works. And then the Telosian says, you, you, would, you would kill yourself? Oh, hadn't counted on this. Let's get all the data from the Enterprise. And they look through it all and they go, what? Humans don't like being slaves. You don't like being you don't like being captives. What? This is brand new information. <laughs> Even when it is pleasant. Bro, you see the Matrix? <laughs> Matrix will have been out by now. You've definitely seen it. Like <laughs> oh, yeah, watch that classic text. <laughs> and, and then he's like, Oh fuck, well you you, you better just go then, because we we can't really help you. We're gonna die out, but you better just go. And Pike's like, no, we could do commerce. And the Tosian's like, no, we're, we're just going to go and die. It's fine. <laughs> we are going to die of embarrassment, Captain. <laughs> so. <laughs> no, don't do that, testicle heads. <laughs> <laughs> so, number one and Yeoman Colt beam back up, beam back up the Enterprise. And Venus says, I can't go with you. I'm hella ugly. And so the Tosians drop the illusion and she's got like some scars on her face gray hair and a hunchback and she's like so i survived the crash but not very well and they rebuilt me but they didn't know what humans look like and pike goes they just look like them with smaller heads that's why one of my hands is like a rubber glove filled with air well i mean she sort of said that when when they um they caught when they got her and uh, they they tried to put her back together. They had no idea what humans look like. So they basically just sort of put her back together like Lego. You know, that bit goes there, that bit goes there. And it was just it looks, a bit weird. She looks like them, just with hair. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It made me think of that Simpsons bit. Well, if it isn't my old friend, Mr. McGregor, with a leg for an arm and an arm for a leg. I thought of that too. I wrote that down. <laughs> There was also there was also this weird tonal shift as well just before that because like he sort of tells you know Yeoman and number one to go back to the ship and he's gonna he's gonna wait you know to, to talk this out so they beam up and then when they arrive on the ship and it's just those two Spock goes where's the captain and there's suddenly this big dun, dun, dun. it's like well why are you doing we know where he is everything's fine it was like that was a really weird ominous tonal shift that made yeah. no sense yeah. I, I think it telegraphs Spock's misogyny at that point. He's like, great, the women have lost the captain. <laughs> but then on the surface, Pike's like, all right, Vina, you better stay here because we can't accept someone like you. Ugh. And he says to the Telosians, can you give her the illusion of her beauty again? And they go, yeah, oh, she's we'll go one, and they'll go, we'll go one better. And he turns around and she's got an illusion of him as well. And then Vina and Captain Pike go back up to the lift, which the top was blown off by the big gun, but only the top of it. And they go down in the lift, and Pike says, hey, you Telosians, you're all right. You kept me captive. We were absolute shits, but you're all right. I'm going back up to my ship now. And he does. And then Dr. Boy says, how you doing? He says, I'm great now. All of this really sharpened my mind. I'm ready for more adventures. And then Yeoman Colt says, Captain, which one of us would you have fucked? And he yeah. taps his nose and gives her a nod. <laughs> <laughs> Looks at the camera and it does oh. the shrink down onto his face. Just 
and Spock just leaps in and goes, Women! <laughs> <laughs> and then the Enterprise leaves. That ends. Uh, <laughs> I loved it. I love this episode. I genuinely do. My first real Star Trek. It's genuinely so right, isn't it? I, I, at no point in the episode do I uh, can I still perceive that it's going to end. If I think about any part of the episode, like, is this close to the end? Is this close to the beginning? It's like a fever dream of a of an episode. Yeah, yeah. But it's one of the, you know what? It's one of the weird. It's one of the episodes of, of the original series that I can just rewatch. Like I just love it because it is it's so bonkers and 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 obviously you know rightfully so because it was the pilot and they were just throwing things at the wall yeah. and seeing if it's stuck, but. It just it's just so bananas. Um but like I say, it's like a fascinating insight to what Star Trek could have been and and like this period of time. But it's just mad and I, I could yeah, I love rewatching it all the time. I rewatch it regularly. Not every day, that's weird. But um yeah, you know, once a year maybe. <laughs> I much prefer psychological conceptual sci fi like this as opposed to Oh, there's a racist man with a cannon in the sky. Like that shit does not interest me whatsoever. Compared yeah, hang to, hang on, are you talking about enterprise or religion at the moment? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know if there was a specific example that you want to cling that onto, but you could choose whatever one you want. <laughs> is, is it Robocop? Is the racist man in the sky? Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the racist guy in the sky. <laughs> I, I, I kind of, I, I mean, I sort of agree with you, Elliot, on, 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 on many levels. You know, obviously, I'm deeply prejudiced against Robocop, as you well know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this 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 is great. The concept of you it doesn't it doesn't matter that you were an explorer in split in space that you're an important starship captain. Any human could have been adopted into the, these experiments of these creatures. Right, this yeah. random collection of five or six aliens. It seems just on a planet doing experiments on alien on on other aliens to them. It's kind of kind of creepy. Not that they play it off that scary. Obviously, it's just a sort of sixty sci-fi show. Most interesting elements uh, are that it's it's surprisingly entertaining, despite how obviously dated and how much that affects mm. it. Like obviously, there's a lot of the script work that we've talked about about you know how they address the women and how they address their views towards the women, particularly from the male characters and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's not fun to listen to that stuff and and think that that's how people actually thought but we're far enough past yeah. that that we can laugh at it now yeah yeah um, so there there is still a surprising amount of entertainment value to this there's still a lot wrong with it uh <laughs> yes yes you are right it. yeah so much wrong with it Personally, for me, the biggest gripe is just that it's so long. Uh, we've been we've been usually watching Star Trek on Netflix for this podcast, but we've moved to Prime Video recently, and Prime Video doesn't have a watch speed change. You yes. can't change the watch speed. I really um, missed the watch speed. <laughs> I really, really missed it this episode. I, I've got to I'll be honest with you, because I've seen this before, I definitely skipped through at least eight minutes of this episode. I missed nothing. It is yeah. very much, because normal original series episodes are 50 minutes, I believe, and they, yeah. this could have yeah. been a 50-minute episode without losing much. Just, I mean, well, like I say, I think, I think another thing about it is it's an interesting look at like I said before, the way Star Trek could have been, because there was a clear view in this episode that had it gone forward that that number one was going to be the logical, the logical kind of more emotionless character, 
and Spock was going to be just sort of more regular kind of guy. Spock was like a kind of a smuggle character, wasn't he? He just kind of was <laughs> yeah. like so, you know, so when when they when they didn't want to do this, you know, with the, the, the they said yeah, it was too cerebral and all this sort of stuff, the network. And one of the things they obviously wanted to get rid of and absolutely did was was number one. They were like, We can't have this, we can't have a woman in power, blah 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 blah. But and and as much as that sucks and with you know, because that is that's the terrible um way of thinking it did obviously then serve to transport those character elements into spock which would not have happened had the series gone just you know gone ahead so we wouldn't have got leonard nimoy's incredible performances throughout the decades and we wouldn't have got the character that we know and love today the whole because of race that. yeah I, I mean it's just it's it's completely mind-blowing when you think about it and 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 the sheer fact that we you know we talk about the fact we've got strange new worlds now and how the pilot you know it's the longest pilot to series order and all this sort of stuff, but it kind of isn't because we got strange new worlds in the way that we've got now because of the character development that was allowed to have been done in the yeah. Star Trek in decades before. Like they're not the same characters. Like number one is not no. Major Barrett. No one and and Pike is not Jeffrey Hunter's um, Pike because Pike is far more developed far more kind of chilled and relaxed and kind of a you know like a, a like a mentor to spock which works in that dynamic in this series obviously we never got the development but you could even see then that that dynamic between those characters probably wouldn't have been as as strong as what we got with shatner you know nimoy and Kelly. I've I've just rewatched. Uh, well, I just rewatched. I've actually just watched uh, Strange New Worlds for the first time because I got Paramount Plus like last month, so we could do the short track. Mm. So I sat down and watched it all, and I kind of think let's just forget everything that's happened and just carry on with this show. Like let's just declare the entire Star Trek canon to be Star Trek legends, <laughs> and let's just carry on with this <laughs> fucking this 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 new show. It's brilliant. It's yeah. much better than anything else they've done. It is brilliant. It is brilliant. And it, it all, I, was, I mean, I remember re- hearing an interview with Akiva Goldsman when he was brought on to do um, Discovery season one. He was convinced. They were like, oh, this is this is a prequel to, to, to the uh, to Kirk. So they were, we're obviously doing Pike, yeah, right? Yeah. This is what we're doing. And he and Kurtzman was like, no, that's not what we're doing. And Akiva Goldsman was like, yeah, all right, you watch. And then, what? of course, in the you know, spoilers, obviously, um, Pike obviously and the Enterprise do turn up in Discovery and we then get and that and I absolutely loved that yeah. because we finally got that's, to see these characters. That's my favourite season back. of Discovery as well. So yeah, yeah. Far. There's a lot in that by season far. that really gets on my nerves, but it, it's but the strongest season that they did, yeah. Yeah. Well we and we actually got a sequel, direct sequel to this episode yeah. in um, in uh, if memory serves, which is, you know, Talos Four and Vina and and all this stuff and they do that wonderful cut because yeah. they do in that episode previously on Star yeah, Trek yeah. and they just show clips of the cage and then they do this wonderful cut from Jeffrey Hunter into um, Anson Mount and it's I, I remember when they said they were going to bring Pike onto Discovery and they showed the actor to play it and of course you know he'd obviously done it humans which was point, awful and I was just like. Which was awful, <laughs> but when, as soon as I saw a picture of the guy, the new guy playing uh, Pike, I was like, "That's that's perfect." Like, like he looks kind of like Jeffrey Hunter. That's weird. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So weird '60s psychedelics. I think the strangest thing about this episode and doing the cage is that 
we've just obviously done four seasons of Enterprise early 2000s. We've done a couple of short treks, which are like within the last couple of years. And now we've got this one episode that was made in 1964. And then we're jumping back to 21st century Trek for a good long period now. <laughs> yeah. You really are. Yeah. It's a bit of a culture shock. But um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I love the cage. It's flaws and all. Because there are there are definite flaws. But, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for a bit of 60s psychedelia sci-fi bonkersness. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's great. I, I really admire the effort in this episode. Yeah. Like, as well. like the, the the work that went into the props, the work went into the costume. Like one of my favorite shots is the two Talosians. It stood in front of like the wrecked elevator, and like that looks really fucking cool because it's all sort of like blasted open. Yeah, uh, stood, I said, it's really good things are there that you won't see. In There's some clever stuff as well because obviously the big the big corridor of, of full of low, all the cells that goes off. Obviously that's forced perspective it shrinks down yeah. very quickly and they just put a, a short person in a telosian costume at the end of it to make it look like it's a, and just little details like that, that that they didn't have to do yeah and and the bridge as well the bridge mm. set is i mean it, it it doesn't hugely change no from pilot to to um to you know the original series like it, i mean they changed the color scheme a little bit they they elevate the captain's chair a little bit but up until that point this kind of bridge didn't exist yeah and not even in um not even in uh, forbidden planet you know they didn't have that kind of command center with the command chair that was groundbreaking that has now rippled through all of star trek but also kind of spun off into actual naval design they give <laughs> they give them captain's chairs and they do all this other stuff like the kind of i mean i don't know how much they were doing that before but i don't think they were doing it a lot yeah. I think Star Trek influenced a lot of that and it all came from the cage. You know, flippy communicators came from the cage. Yeah, right, big bulky versions, but that's where they came yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea for mobile phones. <laughs> you know, transporters, the transporter didn't change. No. You know, all right, they weren't using the console from the bridge because that's what it was. When you watch the cage, the console they're using to transport around, they literally just picked up the helm and navigation console and just put it in the other set, <laughs> bonked it down. It's the exact same thing. But that concept of teleportation, you know, they were like, we need money and but we need to save money. We don't want to keep building uh, shuttlecrafts. How are we going to do this? And they're like, teleportation, easy. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, all laid down right there. The blueprint of what Star Trek became yeah. in that episode. Love it. Yeah. Do we want to say anything else about the cage? <laughs> yeah. A bit long. <laughs> thank you elliot for your service well as someone who likes shorter episodes elliot you'll be very pleased to know that our next episode is another short trek hooray and it is titled the trouble with edward okay so elliot mm -hmm. does that give you anything yeah it's going to be about edward scissorhand <laughs> Correct. Uh, yes, Matt. I don't believe you've seen it either. Do you want to make any guesses? Uh, it's a, a trouble with implies tribbles, doesn't it? Just maybe it's about a guy called Edward that keeps like reproducing, like he keeps sex with people. He has lots of offspring. Oh, maybe he's one of those doctors who runs a sperm bank, but they're all his sperm. Ah, well, I will say this: it is pretty much the silliest short trek they did, and that includes okay, the Tom and Jerry that. animated one. <laughs> Oh, cool. It's great. It's, it's really good. 
He's really good. So we will be back to talk about the trouble with Edward, poor Edward, next week. Um, in the meantime, Andy, thank you so much for, for joining us again after Elliot tried to destroy you. you last time. Um, <laughs> tried to. Thank you for having me. Elliot was positively nice to you this time. So <laughs> <laughs> Come at me. Come at me, bro. <laughs> that God looks where, shit. Where can people find you online, Andy? <laughs> Uh, they can find me on Twitter, which is still a thing, uh, with uh, Andy W. Clift, uh, and the same with uh, Instagram and uh, andywclift.co.uk, oh, and also the web, uh, web animated show that I work on, Ed's World. Just Google Ed's World and you'll find it. I will put links in the description to uh, to all of that. Again, thank you for joining us. If you want to find the rest of us online, links to all of our presences, social media, Elliot's YouTube, everything like that is in the episode description too, as well as a link to our Patreon. If you do want to join us, make a monthly donation to the show where you will get exclusive video versions of the podcast where I don't cut anything out because I don't got the time. <laughs> but So you can see our faces. You can see Andy's cool uh, Captain Pike's laser gun prop that he's brandished a number of times, uh, Matt brandishing his hand solo <laughs> gun as well. There we go. And Elliot's wine glass. <laughs> so why wouldn't you want to join Patreon for that? If you can't join the Patreon, we completely understand. Uh, if you can't, you can make a one-time donation by a coffee. Link in the description to that as well. Uh, or just rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. That really helps the show as well. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We will speak to you in a week's time-ish. Everyone take care. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Elliot, pick up your microphone. I forgot about that.